Hello and welcome to ESG Matters at Ashurst. My name is Andy McLean and as a long-time producer of Ashurst Podcasts, I can promise you that this is one of the most enlightening, entertaining and moving episodes we've produced to date. You're about to hear a discussion sharing the stories of professionals of South Asian heritage in the UK. Our four speakers reflect on their South Asian heritage, including their family histories and personal journeys. They explain how they've managed the balancing act of existing within two cultures, and they speak with candor about formative experiences growing up in the UK, as well as their encounters with racism, not just in the past, but in the present day as well. They talk about embracing their South Asian heritage and celebrating points of difference in their work life, family life, and social life, and they speak passionately about the life prospects and career prospects for the next generation of South Asian women. It's a genuinely fascinating discussion. We cannot wait to share it with you. Um, to kick off the conversation, the host, Varsha Patel, introduced herself and invited her four guests to do likewise. So let's jump in and hear what they had to say. Hi, everyone. I'm Varsha. My background is British Indian and I'm a PR manager here at Ashurst. Prior to Ashurst, I was actually a legal journalist for a few years. Hi everyone, I'm Sunita from Collective Insights. I'm a professional development and inclusion consultant as well as a coach and I've been working in law firms and with law firms for over 17 years now and on the census I tick British Asian other but I describe myself as a British Mauritian Indian and I'm also happy to be described as a brown woman. And I'm really pleased to be collaborating closely with Ashurst in the UK um, through designing and delivering a bespoke career development program. And I'm also delivering the accompanying inclusive leadership program for partners and managers who lead diverse teams. And they are in place to support the retention and the progression of ethnically diverse people and they were implemented following lots of discussions with Ashurst Ethnicity Network. Hi everyone, I'm Rabinda. I'm a senior associate transactional lawyer in the real estate team in London at Ashurst. Um, proud to say I've been Ashurst, but with Ashurst for 22 years, long time, um, as everybody says. And um, I, I identify as British Indian, Sikh by religious background. Um, and I am second generation in that my parents um, came to the UK and I'm born and brought up here as is the rest of my family. Um, I've also been very involved with the coaching program that Sunita has alluded to, really excited that that's coming to Usher, so I'll be participating in that. I've helped with the design on that and over the last few years been very engaged and really enjoyed being part of the networks, helping to raise awareness of ethnically diverse talent. Hi everyone, I'm Aisha, I'm Senior Business Development Executive in the Corporate Practice at Ashurst. I've been at Ashurst for nearly four years now. Um, previously I worked for other professional services firms but generally in the same similar roles. My background and paper is British Pakistani Muslim. My parents uh, we're born in Pakistan um, and have been here for many years, but me and my siblings um, were all born here and raised here. 
and thanks so much for the great introduction um and that sounds like a great program for all of us to be getting involved in later this year so as you all know south asian heritage month was celebrated earlier this year and the theme this time around was stories to tell so on that note i'd love to hear a little bit about your stories so rabinda i'll come to you first because i know that you've um, mentioned previously that you recently shared your story um, with your teammate. Um, yeah, uh, myself and a partner in our team told our stories very much off the cuff one Monday morning, but to to our um, colleagues in our team. It's, I, I'm really glad he, he encouraged me to do that. I don't forget that. And it was a story about really where I come from, how my parents came to the UK. Um, I am proud to say that I'm from a very strong um, set of role model parents and much of my story that I told the team that defines me is that it was the legacy of my father, a very strong um, professional role model. He was the first ethnic minority consultant surgeon in this country in the time in the 1960s, um, landed in Scotland, did medicine as many of our community did at the time. Um, qualified in 1963, wearing a turban and a kilt. Uh, I love that. That's my fun fact of how back in the day, our parents broke boundaries um, to an extent where I really don't think that any of us have had to do. So they did a lot of hard work and that's really where I come from. Lita, I wonder if you want to go, go next. Well, I, I definitely resonate with that that cultural upbringing of, of work hard ethic like Rabinda um, and her family. So my parents came over to the UK um, in the 70s as part of the NHS recruitment drive from Mauritius. Um, our heritage is around, say, 200 years ago. We would have been from India and I believe around South India. Um, so they came over here um, when they were in their early 20s and basically made their way up into different positions at the NHS. So I've I've had semi kind of professional role models, um, but I've had a real mix of aunties and uncles as well who've definitely inspired me. Um, and I think sometimes I do feel like still the odd one out, even when I'm with my community of South Asian friends, because I have that Mauritian heritage. Um, and so it always feels like a bit of a rarity when I come across someone else who's Mauritian as well. And um, Aisha? My parents came here quite a long time ago, but they came for, so it wasn't as a result of anything, but it was more my, as you'll see in our culture, my dad and my mother got married and they wanted to move over here. So yeah, they got married, they came here. Um, so me and my three other siblings, we were born here, we were raised here. Um, so yeah, there's been lots of, um, I guess, challenges within that of our generation and then tackling the British gen um, culture with it. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what were some of the challenges and what are some of your sort of present challenges when you're sort of grappling with two cultures in that way when I look back I definitely had phases where I had white predominantly white friends and then I'd go through a phase where I had more um, um, those in the ethnic minority uh, 
box. Um, so I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges adjusting to that. Um, at present, when I think about it now, I think one of the biggest challenges I find is the acceptance from society to be able to take both elements um, from each con- culture um, and also ditch some of the elements that you don't like from each culture, like we all have, um, without being judged. Um, I'm sure there's lots of things in the British culture, but also I'm sure Rabinda and Sunita and yourself, Arsha, will perhaps agree that there are um, stigmas within the culture that that are there and there might be parts that you don't like. Um, But it's the ability to be able to um, ditch those parts as well and that be okay within that culture. So I think as well as you've got the British culture, you're tackling your own culture as well and the norms within that and the generations within that and them deem and them actually judging you as well. So you've got the judgment from both elements. It's not just one. Mm-hmm. We're living our lives totally differently to what our parents would have thought, even when they came over to to, to Britain. Um, you know, my mum got married very young and then sometimes she looks at me and she says, you know, you're not married. But yeah, I know, but that's okay, isn't it? It's totally fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Sunita, uh, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit um, about sort of the challenges that you've, you've faced in our thing. I think the, the big challenge growing up was that my school was not ethnically diverse and actually a couple of months ago, I got my long kind of reeled photo out from the secondary school, which had literally everyone in the whole secondary school. So this is from the 90s. And my two daughters, who were eight and 10, um, I actually asked them, can you see where mummy is? Um, and they, the first thing they said was like, wow. You know, they basically made a comment about it not being very ethnically diverse. Um, and they actually started feeling sad for me. Um Interestingly, yesterday um, evening, my 10-year-old started talking about school. She said, you know, what do you like about your, what was your favourite school, primary school or secondary school? Um, and I said, you know, a bit of both, actually. And then she actually said, you know, was was anyone racist to you at school? So again, it's it kind of like makes you realise, gosh, you know, that I hopefully, my daughters will have different experiences to me, but you know, the challenge of experiencing racism in the school at, at a young age, in the primary school I went to, luckily I did have a teacher who dealt with it, who dealt with the comment um, and was an ally and kind of made me feel safe and supportive. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's an ongoing challenge. And I think growing up, what really did help was that I had a lot of contact with my cousin who also Mauritian descent. Um, and so I always had like contact with my aunties and uncles. We would have our little kind of discos at our house with lots of Mauritian Sega music. Um, but I still don't ever remember coming across anyone who was of my particular heritage, like Mauritian South Asian in our area. So I think, yeah, lots of challenges. Um, and I think for me a word that comes up is like learning like I'm constantly learning about my culture which I absolutely love thank you it's fascinating listening to your stories and I've just found myself nodding and smiling um what were the challenges looking back very similar to what both Aisha and particularly Aisha I think has described back in the day navigating two cultures trying to fit in I think being very proud of my own cultural heritage. We've heard a lot at home, remember who you are, remember where you come from, you look different. You'll have to work harder. 
all of the messages that our parents at the time gave all of us. Educate yourselves. No one can take that away from you. I know that you all resonate with that as well. But it was retaining that, dealing with, again, what will people think, particularly as a female of the South Asian cultures. There are some still but progressing now, but traditional, deep-rooted, stereotypical roles expected, particularly of our mother's generations. And I come from a very patriarchal family. Um, so it was, it was for me, how can I do the right thing? and gain the approval of the elders, much of it with the respect of the elders for me, and be the good girl for my parents and my culture. But at the same time, how can I navigate being part of the British culture? And as, as you both described, having white friends at school and wanting to be part of the British culture at a time where it, it just wasn't as open as things now are. And again, I think, I think I, one gets more comfortable as one gets older, what am I dealing with now? I have a seven-year-old boy and I like to think I've been on a journey. I like to think we've all been on a journey. Now it's about combining the best of both worlds. How can I raise a seven-year-old to know who he is? That's hard for the second, third generation little boy being brought up here. And how can he also take the good of British culture? And uh, yeah, I might have asked her on his way to school today. What do you think about being British and Indian? Is it good? And he said, it's great. Um, it is great. He can't articulate why it's great right now, but I thought that's nice. That's how it should be. And that's the right reply. He'll have things that he has to challenge. But for me, it's about, it's my responsibility to try to retain the good of our culture for him, try to reflect back on my journey and see how he goes. Mm. And that's so encouraging to hear as well, because if my mum had asked me that on the way to school, probably would have shied away like oh no I don't want to be Indian or no I don't I don't like that because even though I grew up in an area where it was predominantly South Asian family I still wasn't totally comfortable with it until well past uni I think so it's such a difference um in the way that we raise our children now and the responses that you get is really just heartwarming and encouraging to hear can I just add as well, Varsha, before you move on, um, I think it's important as well with people thinking about who's going to listen to this, um, about the amount of maybe, you know, racism that was at that time and how brutal it was. One at our time, but also our, our parent time. I've had instances, I actually, I mean, this is more religious, but I, I chose to wear the, by my own initiative, at a young age, chose to wear the headscarf at one point and in in school I got it ripped off me in front of everyone um so that's just an example I think I think now at this we're still very much battling that but it's I think because of things like this this podcast and we're teaching children there's lots of the diversity now networks and throughout companies throughout all of it, it's all happening so the education piece is a lot better but I think it's just important to flag how difficult it was then to combine the cultures because of the racial hate we would get um and i'm sure we could sit here for hours if people share their stories um but even if we were to look back at our other generations how even more difficult it was for them yeah i think it's so important just to be honest about that as well because i think when people think of south asian culture 
you know, and all the positive, vibrant things that we have, you know, there will be certain things that people think of. People will connect with the food or the films or, you know, the influence on fashion worldwide. But I think it's so important, Aisha, that you've, you've talked about this. You know, I think it's really important to use this podcast as an opportunity to remind people that racism is very real and it's very now. Even just last Sunday, the P word was used with me as I walked down London in a very um, well-to-do affluent area in London. And interesting, my husband, when I told my husband, um, he said, you know, did anyone stop and see if you're okay? And I said, actually, no. Um, but I knew that I had to just move, remove myself from that person as soon as possible. Um, so I think it's it's an opportunity for people to reflect that, you know, racism is real and it, and it still turns up in lots of different kind of shapes and sizes and forms. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, our parents didn't have to stay here when they were facing all of that at the very start of their journey to this country. So the fact that they have, and we sort of know they did that for us um, and for us to have the life that we have now. So it's such a crucial point to sort of underline there. Um, yeah, it's hard. I think it's harder nowadays to explain the racism we have. So it wasn't, it's not always as outward as maybe our parents and family would have experienced. It's a bit more difficult to explain it to someone when you feel like you're being looked at in a particular way or, you know, something was said to you in such a tone. And I know people from all all cultures and all backgrounds can, can relate to this. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely still still a tough one for everybody I think. So we obviously spoke about some of the, the harder side, um, the harder aspects of, of our culture um, and really, really important to underline. I'd love to sort of switch a little bit to see when did we start celebrating that culture? And um, we'll start with you, Rabinda. When did you start sort of embracing your, your South Asian heritage? And is it something you think that you, you get better at as time goes on? My immediate answer to that Varsha would have been. I've always celebrated my cultural heritage. I'm so proud of who I am, the background I have, what my mum and dad taught me. But actually, particularly since the dialogue has started over the last few years, I talk about when you know, I, I, I spoke about my story to the team, perhaps it was. I, I tell myself now, only really about three years ago, partly because of telling the story in the workplace, partly because friends um, started talking to myself and my husband a little bit more about who we are, going back to the comments we made earlier that friends used to say, but we don't see you as different. Um, and we found ourselves saying, same Sunita, but I want, but there is a difference. And, you know, it's a good thing that you need to see it. So I think, I think actually for me, I think it was only about three years ago when the world started talking more, I think that now I look back, made me, without realising, feel more comfortable talking as we are today. I, I can't imagine doing this, what we're doing today, 10 years ago. So really very recent for me. I look back now, fun fact again, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a Brummie. I had a big fat Asian wedding. <laughs> Everything that everybody imagines nearly 20 years ago, we all should celebrate who we are in our culture comes chaos and embrace it, see it and enjoy it. Aisha, I know you've also come to embrace the chaos that, that comes with your culture. So I think that's definitely happened over time. And yeah, I've just learned to, or 
embrace it all, including the chaos, as Rabinda said. Um, but I also think, you know, going back to it's a natural progression, the number of things that happen with that, as I said, you become more confident and you you find your voice. And I almost feel now in the place I am, I feel very much of um, the thought that I should be a voice for the voiceless. And because we are very privileged, you know, you have, yes, white privilege, but separate to that, we have maybe a British privilege of being in this country and all those the lots of challenges and complaints we have. There's also lots of benefits we have to be able to use our voice where other places they can't and we need to be a voice for them. And um, Zanita, come to you, not, not come to you yet. And if you've had thoughts to share. So, so thinking about when I started to become proud, I think... I think I always loved the Indian clothes that I had access to growing up. But I think there's, yeah, I think you definitely would have felt con- self-conscious when you went out into the, even just into the car to go off to your, you know, your family gathering in Bristol or, or Woodgreen. But I think, you know, now I'm absolutely embracing it. So I, even in my work life, I, I actually find any opportunity to wear Indian clothes so I I took it upon myself to always be proud of my culture and always find opportunities to be you know to be doing things that are very Mauritian or known for being Mauritian and then interestingly for my dissertation at university I actually studied um, the influence of, of black music on the identities of young South Asian women because I was a big fan and champion of black music at the time I was one of the few South Asian female DJs at the time um and I think again it just made me realize you know I have I had the benefit of tapping into like lots of different things growing up here but I think yeah I think the opportunity to celebrate my culture through my kids is amazing um because I absolutely I actually keep magazines which have a South Asian woman on the front of them (laughs) So whether it's Anita Rani um, and any of the new South Asian models, um, because I want them to have that collection. And when we're out and about, they often spot, oh, look, mummy, there's someone who looks like you because I am noticeably darker than them. And I actually want them to be quite open about that. I want them to be comfortable about skin tone and that people look different. Um, And... They also know that I used to work in fashion. So again, I was one of the few again, because I was one of the few South Asian models in fashion in the late nineties, early two thousands. And I think, you know, thinking about what you said, Aisha, actually, I felt a massive responsibility to represent. So I never felt like a token. And even to this day, when I'm on executive teams, and I don't know if Rubinda, you ever feel like this, and you might be one of the few with regards to your heritage or your gender, I always feel actually I've got responsibility to represent. Um, I I don't see it as tokenism. I actually see it as representing. Yeah. And I always say, I think I did my law degree 90% for my parents and maybe 10% for myself. And that's probably reflected now in the fact that I'm not a lawyer. So um, I'm glad yeah. I went, went against it a little bit. But um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you navigated sort of those career choices um, as South Asian women and how you feel the sort of working world is better or not better for um, South Asian women coming up behind you. And I know we've touched on that a little bit. So um, I wonder, Aisha, if we could come to you first. 
when you think about the workplace in general, I think obviously there's been lots of change. There's no doubt about that. But it still baffles me, to be honest, that still till this day, we are still fighting pay gaps, whether it be through gender or ethnicity. We're still providing to be promote, uh, to have fair promotions. We're still fighting for there to be enough um, representation. Um, you know, like we work for Ashurst and it's great and doing all these things. And we know they've got um, a lot of objectives to have certain goals and certain amount of people and ethnic minority within the firm, which is great. But it's the fact that as a, as a firm, they're not the only one, but they're still tackling this till this day. So there's obviously still something wrong. There's enough people out there that are educated, but we're still in this rut. Um, and that does worry me sometimes um, that will it ever change? Will it, it, will it be something that unfortunately will always be there? It'll become better, but will we always have to fight? I think yes, is my honest answer. Um, will it become a bit easier? Yeah, but I think we will always fight for that. Um, so I think that is an obstacle. We just have to prepare ourselves to continue to be, like I said, a voice and continue to battle this. Um, of being from a South Asian heritage and on top of that, a female. Rabinda, did you want to get it? I know that I am one of the few South Asian senior lawyers attached. I'm visibly different, as we've all said. I agree with my shirt. That, that will never go away for the generations to follow us. It's something we need to embrace. There will be a difference. What have I, the challenges I've come across, I now realize it's that, it's that voice. It's a career where you slowly have to realize that you need to showcase your own skills and your own talent. It's not enough, good enough to work really hard and do really good work, but people around you have to know that. That's, that's a tricky one when you're growing up in a dual culture as we've described, you don't even realise that the voice was always there. Perhaps it gets suppressed. I don't really know, but that's where I'm heading towards now. Um, needless to say, you know, we have some great programmes coming up, I hope. I hope that will help those that need it to find their voice. Um, for me, where I am now, uh, I feel a huge responsibility and that I know I can represent, I know I can be the role model, the female, the, the South Asian senior lawyer at Ashurst and a mum. And I'm proud of all of that. How can I encourage and inspire those coming up behind me? The way I do it now, the way I've always done it now, um, I like I like to say, I'm proud to say that I'm surrounded by some really strong relationships at all levels in the firm. I had a very quick final question for you all. Um, so I'll go to Sunita first. Do you have any South Asian role models yourself? Oh, brilliant. Um, I think one of my first one that comes to mind is um, my auntie Betty, who lives in Mauritius. Um, you know, and she shared her story with me when, when her and my uncle came over here. Um, and she's navigated lots of different things. Um, but I also see her as a bit of a fashion icon. And I do feel that one of her saris should have been in the exhibition on Friday and then I think someone a bit more well known is Mira Sial because she was definitely the first British South Asian author that I came across um I just remember like the feeling of just 
getting a hold of her but um you know Nita and me it was just that incredible like I couldn't believe it it was the first time I actually had access to a book written by someone who's British South Asian and it wasn't about Gandhi for example um or history and I also remember when she first appeared on BBC and goodness gracious me um you know one of my cousins still does that check please joke or even I say it to myself you know Indian which represents actually anything that can be South Asian (laughs) um you know I still do that so when I think um you know the spaceship went up on the moon recently you know again there was that joke about oh you know Indian you know Indians are on the moon and I think yeah Mira Sial is just such a great legend um but I think yeah there are so many there's so many more people that I could mention I think we've got amazing role models in the legal industry as well at all different levels whether it's the apprentices the trainees the associates business services the experts you know we're really showing how actually we we can be in lots of different careers which is amazing um oh mine's gonna be really corny but it has to be my mom <laughs> um for many reasons um you know as I explained before my mum and dad got married the birth educator man and my dad came here and set up in accountancy business and um, still working now my mum came here she had I think a BA in economics and something else um she came here became a teacher um and at that time it was very much you know the women run the household as well um so my mum was working raising four children I feel like she broke a bit of the barriers in the sense she was always very much about not just keeping us tight within the community you know, even small things like going on holiday, taking us out, wearing different clothes, um, having parties, birthday parties with your friends that are outside of your community. All these little things that maybe seem small, but I'm sure you'll understand that at that time it was very closed and kind. So my mum was very much being out in the community. I think probably education did help with that um, because of the language barrier. Again, why probably education is so big for our families. So yeah, it has to be my mom. You know, she's always tried to embrace both cultures and not keep us so tightly knit into one. Um, that's made probably our life a bit easier in terms of being able to adjust. Um, it's actually brought a few other challenges where, where the challenge is actually within our own culture because I'm not seen to be doing the norm within the boundaries of what our culture would deem as normal. Um, so yeah, I think she's always battled through um, to ensure we have the benefits of both cultures and a good life, um, and has worked hard and really persevered to make sure we're in a good school, in a good area, and which they are now. And she really fought for that. Um, my dad, of course, as well. He's been where she came here, set a company. But I think just at that time, women were very much more involved in the bringing of the children. Um, so yeah, she really persevered to make sure we have all these things in our place. Um, so I think I am where I am because of her. And then Brabinda. That's a hard act to follow. I feel quite emotional on others. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're everything because of them. I, I mean, I, I am who I am because of my role model parents. I lost my dad 20 years ago, but my mum still with us. And she is sort of like Aisha's described. She's been carrying out her traditional role in the in the generation before us. And also, now I look at it, trying to be the more progressive voice 
um, on how to balance both cultures. I see it more now, again, going back to my little boy, to try to balance the culture. She's very much the guiding light on that. She is amazing. There's nothing nothing more that I can say about that. Um, in, the, in the more the, the public eye, um, as Shanita said, there, there are so many people that you could pick now. It's so good to be able to say that. Um, for me, when I, I I really thought about it, my my answer it goes to it goes to education again. It's everything I am. It's everything that my family is. It is. It's the key to our communities. It's something that can't be taken away, and it is the key to progression of particularly South Asian females, I think. And so I I picked Malala. She's uh, you know this is a younger role model for me, so it does show that you can look at those who are younger, not just those older as role models, which is great. Malala, for me, I don't know her personally. I do have friends who do know her, but she came from trauma. She, extreme trauma. She actually landed and ended up at my school in Birmingham. Maybe I feel an affinity that way. And now we see her in the public eye, just advocating for education and retaining her visible cultural identity. I, I, was, I was always brought up, keep your character, remember who you are. Much of that is visible. For me, I, I think that embodies everything that I've heard growing up and long may she continue. Well, I think that's a, a really lovely note to, to end on. Uh, so thank you so much. And um, thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. That was brilliant, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Feeling a bit emotional, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that was same. really interesting. Talking about our mums, it's made me emotional. I know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of ESG Matters at Ashurst. To ensure you don't miss any future episodes of ESG Matters, please subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or review? We'd be really grateful if you did. And to find out more about our full range of podcasts, please visit ashurst.com forward slash podcasts. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening and goodbye for now. If you enjoy ESG Matters at Ashurst, why not check out our other two podcast series as well? Ashurst Business Agenda tackles the big strategic issues that business leaders face. And Ashurst Legal Outlook explains the emerging legal trends and requirements of our fast-changing world. You can listen and subscribe to Business Agenda and Legal Outlook wherever you get your podcasts.